Welcome to another PI World podcast. This is an audio-only version offered as another way to enjoy our great content. A full video version can be seen on piworld.co.uk, where you can find many more videos of interest to investors. Hello, everyone. Thank you very much for taking the time to come to our presentation. 2021 was an extraordinary growth year for us. We had record-setting results in all financial categories. This tremendous growth was led by strong North American non-residential construction market, which includes healthy demand for warehouses, data centers, factory additions, things of that nature, large scale. In addition, Europe and Australia provided significant contributions to our growth also. We were able to deliver these record revenues because of a remarkable performance by our operation team. When you stop and think about it, we were in the middle of the pandemic for an entire year. We had historic supply chain shortages, tremendous delivery challenges to meet all of our customer requirements and delivery demands, technical support and training. The ability to deliver is an achievement that set us apart from the other equipment providers. And this is information we received from our customers in terms of how long it took to get equipment from other providers. To achieve these results, we had to recruit, hire, and train 40 new employees in one year, which was a 25% increase in our base employment. We also continued to execute our growth strategy. Our product development team delivered one new product in 2021, the Skystrip, and they completed the development of two new boom screeds, one of which is for a new market segment called Tilt Up Buildings. We ended 2021 in a fantastic financial position to pay healthy dividends to shareholders and invest in future growth. We start 2022 with a confident outlook supported by direct customer feedback. All of this we'll explain in more detail as we progress through the presentation. So with that, I'll turn it over to John Youngster and he'll give you some of the details. Thank you, Jack. So just taking a step through some of the 2021 highlights to add to Jack's comments, obviously extraordinary growth on the top line, record-setting metrics in terms of profits and cash flows across the board. So just a remarkable performance in 2021 which was really driven by exceptional operational execution, overcoming a series of challenges to meet customer delivery requirements through the course of the year and capitalize on the very strong demand. Underlying this performance was a very highly active and healthy North American non-residential construction market. Particularly within that market, we saw strong demand for large footprint buildings, warehouses, data centers, and other larger manufacturing facilities was really a key driver of the performance during the year. Also, in addition to the financial performance, we, we continue to have very focused, effective execution of our product growth strategy, launching the one new product in June, the Skystrip, June of 2021, as well as completing design of two additional products, all part of our strategy of expanding our addressable market to create a longer-term growth trajectory. And then in support of these growth efforts, the commitment in 2022 to add customer-facing resources and the selling field support product development areas to, uh, to support future growth plans. And with all of that, having 
outstanding cash generation to fund these investments as well as the facility expansion we undertook in Houghton and also enable a significant return of cash to shareholders. So with regard to the financial highlights slide, as noted, top line growth over 50%, translated very effectively and efficiently to uh, growth in profits, all the profitability metrics up uh, over 80%. And that shows the strong operating leverage of the business, but also highlighting that we did operate in a very lean fashion through the course of the year as we work to keep pace with the growth and demand. In turn, strong cash flows, obviously over 20% growth, just a shade under 37 million in operating cash flows, leading to a very strong year-end record level of net cash, over 42 million, and also funding a very substantial return of cash to shareholders, both in the ordinary and supplemental dividends. And with regard to sales by territory, as mentioned, North America led, led the effort, led the charge, 50% growth in our largest market just under 36 million growth year over year, driven in part by the large footprint buildings that we highlighted, which in turn led to strong performance in our large screed category, our boom screeds. But also we saw good breadth across the market in terms of take rates across our product portfolio in North America, which gives us confidence in the breadth of the activity in North America. Stepping outside of the US and North America, Europe and Australia combined to contribute nearly 90% growth year over year. Um, that's about $8.5 million in incremental revenue from those two markets, where we really continue to focus intently and keenly on growth in those territories where we see the best near to medium-term opportunity given uh, the strength of our value proposition in those markets. In China, we did take steps in early 2022 to adjust our cost structure to, to match the current level of volume in the near and expected medium term, uh, with the understanding on a long-term basis as we evaluate our long-term strategy, that the acceptance of and demand for quality remains the critical element to change the trajectory of the China market. And then with regard to the rest of the world region, which is a combination of markets, the, the biggest contributors there would be Latin America and India, which represents over half of that total. We continue to see, and we experience good opportunity for growth, good opportunities across the portfolio in 2021, expect similar conditions in 2022, meaningful opportunities to growth. But we should highlight as well, included in that territory and region is Russia. Our Russia market has not been a material contributor to revenues in well over five years. And in 2021, it contributed less than $200,000 in revenues. And then with regard to sales by product, as mentioned, our Boom Screen category performed very well, effectively doubling revenues year over year, over 100% growth. That is reflective of the strength in the large footprint buildings, particularly in the US, warehousing, data centers, et cetera. We feel very good about that product performance in that particular category. But we also note that historically, as we've highlighted, take rates across our portfolio will be dictated by the types of projects that are present in the market. Um, in this case, large footprint buildings were particularly prevalent. And over time, there will be ebbs and flows across our categories. That being said, ride-on screeds had very good growth, over 20% improvement year over year, as that product category remains very popular 
Other items on that lineup, remanufactured machines were down somewhat year over year, but that is not, as we've mentioned in the past, meant to be a growth category. It's effectively to manage trade-in inventory from customers. Our 3D profiler system continues to be very strong, over 30% growth, as well as our line dragon, while revenues down somewhat, continues to be great opportunity. And then the skyscreen of note, we, as mentioned in previous updates, we experienced challenges in the first half of 2021 to get on-site due to COVID restrictions. As those restrictions began to lessen in the second half of 2021, that translated into us getting skyscreen sales volume, and we expect to continue that trajectory as we enter into 2022. And with that, Enzo will walk through our operating results. Great. Thanks, John. So starting on slide seven, we have our operating results. As John detailed for us, we experienced tremendous top-line growth. And with that elevated volume, we're able to take advantage of the scale in our operating facility and able to operate more efficiently, which led to a 300 basis point increase in our gross margin up to 58% in 2021. As we look ahead, as John again mentioned, we did operate quite leanly during most of our first part of 2021. We did have quite a few additions in the latter half of the year. The annualization of those additions will come into play in 2022. And so we would expect a bit of a compression in our gross margins, but generally in line with our historical run rate. Moving down to our operating expenses, uh, which increased approximately 6.8 million year over year. The bulk of that relates to headcount additions and salaried compensation, including some of our incentive programs. But on a relative basis, our total operating expenses represented 24% of revenue compared to 28% last year, which demonstrates our ability to leverage resources efficiently as we grow our top line. Ending the year in a very good profitable position of almost 35 million, again, in excess of 80% growth year over year. Moving on to our financial position, we had a very good end of year in, in terms of cash, over 42 million. We'll speak a bit more about our cash flows in the coming slide. In terms of receivables and inventory, our accounts receivables did increase year over year. They're actually in line with our revenues, but to a much lesser extent, having a dominant presence in the market, we're able to dictate payment terms and our collection efforts remain very strong. In terms of the increase in inventory of approximately 29%, that's attributable to a couple of factors. One, obviously, as our trading increases, we'll need additional inventory to support the added trading levels, as well as the introduction of new products, which has a general structural uplift in our inventory. Moving down to liabilities, the company remains debt-free. So we maintain a very lean balance sheet and the increase in current liabilities mainly attributable to a couple of factors. One with the increase in operating expenses and the timing of those payments, as well as increases in our customer deposits toward future purchases. So overall, a very healthy balance sheet. Moving on to our cash flows, it starts with the operating income, which again performed very well this year. Uh, we did have a little bit of working capital reversal at the end of 2020, our accounts receivables and inventory were <coughs> abnormally low, just simply due to some timing. We did anticipate that would reverse in 2021, which it did, leading to a very profitable year in 2021, approximately 37 million in cash from operating activities. 
In terms of cash use and our investing activities, most of this outlay represents the expenditures related to our Houghton facility. We did complete one expansion in 2020, commenced another expansion in 2021, approximately 4.5 million was spent there. The remainder of another four to 5 million will be spent in 2022 as we expect to complete that facility, uh, the expansion in the second half of 2022. We did make a very healthy dividend payment in 2021, over 9 million higher than the previous year. We also completed our share buyback program of a million and the board also authorized a second share buyback program for 2022 of $2 million. Again, the intent of this share buyback program is really to mitigate dilution as a result of our internal equity incentive programs. Ending the year, as mentioned, in excess of 42 million, a record high for the company which positions us well to fund additional investments in 2022, as well as pay a dividend here coming up in May. Which leads us to our next slide. Uh, This is an illustration of our dividend policy and our calculations for 2021. As a reminder, our policy remains intact, where we pay out 50% of adjusted net income in the form of an ordinary dividend, and 50% of excess cash over 20 million as a supplemental dividend. These two combined for 51 cents per share, uh, which will be paid out on May 6th to shareholders of record on May 8th. Looking ahead, the board assessed the company's cash reserves and cash needs in light of the growth in the business and has increased the cash threshold from 20 million to 25 million. And if we look at our historical pattern, we have gradually increased the threshold pretty much in line with the growth in in the organization. So this is just another prudent step in that direction. And with that, I'll hand it back to John. Okay, thank you. Uh, Thank you, Enzo. So starting with our long-term growth, just to revisit our two primary levers of growth, we have products, new products or product innovation, as well as growth internationally. And we remain focused on developing new solutions for customers, often disruptive solutions, Uh, to expand the market segments and applications that we address to create a path for long-term sustainable growth. And taking those products as well as our existing product offerings into the international markets to really deepen our penetration of those markets. And we made good progress in both fronts in 2021. Obviously, the introduction of the Sky Strip in June of 2021 is an example of introducing a disruptive technology into a new market segment, the high-rise structural market segment. And we also completed design of two boom screens that have been launched here in early 2022. On the international side, we continue to make investments to focus on the two primary markets that we see the best near to medium-term opportunity, and that's Europe and Australia. The decision to go direct in Australia in Q4 of 2020 yielded very positive results in 2021, and we're continuing to add to that team to make sure that we're adequately representing our entire product portfolio in the Australian market. The same is true in Europe. We are adding resources in a targeted fashion to really target those portions of Europe where we see the best opportunity, particularly with new and existing products. And another example of introducing a new product into these markets is the the decision to bring the SkyScreed to both Europe and Australia in 2022. 
So with regard to some of the new products, the first of the two boom screeds that we're introducing in 2022 is the S28EZ, which is the successor to the S22 and will ultimately replace the S22 in our product lineup. The development of this machine was no different than other machines we've launched in the past. It starts on the job site. It starts with customer feedback on enhancements and features that customers are looking for in the next version or next generation. In this case, one particular enhancement is the extension of the boom reach to 25 feet on the S28 from the 20 feet that is found on the S22. That creates a meaningful increase in productivity for customers as they're able to screed more area with each pass. It's a highly valued enhancement given the demand for speed with completing these projects, as well as the continued pain point of finding labor to do the work. And as far as the second of our two boom screeds is the SPS 50, which is a a product geared toward a completely new market segment for us, which is tilt panel buildings, which are buildings that are constructed by casting the walls on the job site And then once cured, the walls will be tilted up and secured into the footings using a large crane mechanism. This is an application that's found most prevalently in warm climates, but there is increasing demand and growth in this type of building structure, given the speed and the lower cost of constructing buildings using tilt panels. The SPS 50 for us is an engineering accomplishment. It's by far the largest or longest boom that we've ever introduced. It's a 50-foot boom, which is double the length of the S28, and it it eliminates the manual labor required to level the concrete on these tilt panels. Today, all that work is done by hand. This provides an automated solution for customers to do the work. So by the addition of those two products, this just encapsulates our entire offering of approximately 20 products that we currently have brought to the market. Importantly, it shows the progress we've made in adding markets, adding most recently the cast in place, and just prior to that, the high-rise structural markets to our reach, as well as some additional applications along the way, such as the Samaro Broom and Cure, which was launched in 2020, and also shows the pace with which we're adding innovations and bringing innovations to the market. In 2019 forward, we've launched seven products, out of the roughly 20 we offer, which is a substantial pace of bringing new innovations. And if you go back prior to that, to 2017 and forward, we've launched 10 products. So roughly half the portfolio is less than five years old. And then touching on the international growth part of the strategy, obviously with a keen focus on Europe and Australia, adding resources to both markets to capture growth in a targeted fashion has been successful for us, roughly, as I mentioned previously, 90% growth year over year. And as we continually add uh, resources, as well as bringing our new products to market in these territories to ensure that we're broadly representing our entire portfolio. And in addition to the growth strategies we have, we have never lost sight of our competitive advantage. And some investments we've made in this area in recent years really provided great benefit during the period of COVID. We have invested in adding on-demand training capabilities through our learning management system, as well as enhancing our virtual training capabilities, which both were very much needed 
in the period of time due to COVID restrictions where we were not able to do face-to-face trainings. So we were able to continually meet our customer needs for training and access to our expertise during this period in an uninterrupted fashion, which was a great value add for our customer base. So with that, just encapsulating the results here, we now kind of, as we end 2021 and we look forward to 2022, we see and are confident in the momentum of the U.S. non-residential construction market. That feedback from our customers based on all our direct interactions gives us great confidence in the outlook for 2022 as our customers are very comfortable with their view given their extended project backlogs. We have not seen any change in the conditions as we exited 2021 and started 2022, and we feel very, very confident in the momentum of the market. With regard to Europe and Australia, similarly, positive momentum has carried forward. Healthy underlying non-residential construction activity levels also gives us great confidence in those territories as we look forward to, to gaining additional penetration and traction. Outside of Europe and Australia, in other markets, excluding China, we expect to continue to see meaningful opportunities for growth. And with regard to China, given the steps we've taken to adjust our cost structure, um, we don't view China as being a meaningful contributor to growth in the near to medium term for the factors previously mentioned. In addition to the geographic opportunities, obviously we continue to see long-term growth potential from new products and new market segments, particularly in the high-rise structural market with the sky screen and ultimately the sky strip. And to support these opportunities, we're adding and have the the board commitment to add a number of customer-facing resources in the sales support and product development areas to really push this agenda forward, all for the benefit of future growth. But we do expect that we'll have some increase to our operating cost levels in 2022 compared to, to prior years. And with all of that in consideration, We expect to see in 2022 a period of modest revenue growth, comparable EBITDA to 2021, which is a view that's supported by the planned hires in 2022, previously mentioned, as well as the annualized impact of the hires that we undertook in 2021. As Jack mentioned, we added over 40 employees during the year. So with that, that is our view uh, going forward, and uh, I'll turn it back over to, to Jack. I think we'll take questions. Please, can you say something about how you expect the changing world economic and political situation to affect the business over the next year or so? Yeah, so uh, I think the view of, of some of the uncertainty in the, in the global market, you know, we see, uh, we don't see the the near-term impact on our business, obviously, uh, nor can we really envision what, what the, the future holds. It's important to understand in the construction industry for us that um, these projects have multi-year um, timelines. So the work that's in front of our customer base uh, is our, our projects that were, un, you know, commenced uh, years prior. Um, our customers often get involved in the construction process towards the end of the the project, you know, well beyond the the design, the land acquisition, and and the planning and financing uh, decisions. So, um, you know, our customers remain very confident in the workloads in front of them, as well as, you know, us remaining confident based on that feedback that we receive. Thank you. And you've got Europe in your sights to grow specifically, and do you think the Ukraine will impact those European growth plans? 
Um, it, it, so it, it's it really it's the similar answer in that regard. It, you know the the project workloads that our customers are reporting to us gives us confidence in the outlook for 2022. You know we we obviously can't predict um, you know what the future holds with regard to all the sort of uncertainty geopolitically and um, but at this point in time, you know we see healthy market conditions and and we're uh, basing our confidence based on, on what we're hearing from our customer base. Great, thank you. And just one more in that same category. Are you seeing any supply chain problems emerging as a, as a result of the Russia-Ukraine situation? We don't see specific supply chain issues arising out of that conflict. Um, that being said, we have experienced continual supply chain challenges through 2021 and expect that's going to continue in, in 2022. And, you know, the conditions have not changed with regard to supply chain that, that we see currently, and we will continue to have those challenges through the course of the year, but we're confident in our management team's ability to, to overcome them. Great. Thank you very much. And how do you account for R&D expenditure? So uh, all of our research and development costs are expensed as part of our um, operating expenses, and they would be included in, in a, one of the, the breakouts of SGNA, um, and we don't capitalize any of those costs. Thank you. And who are your main competitors, and what's your market share? Uh, so our, our competitive landscape has not changed uh, in, in, rec- in for, for many years. There are competitors out there. Uh, the competitors that we've seen historically, and this goes back many, many years, um, and continues to this day, uh, are, are typically entrepreneurial businesses, businesses that have um, started by designing uh, a, a form of a laser screen or a similar piece of equipment that they sell into the marketplace um, in a very transactional way. Uh, we have a different value proposition. We provide uh, not only the equipment, but the relationship that our customers value highly, which is the training support um, all of the expertise that we offer, as well as the innovative designs and, and consistently pushing the industry forward. Um, so the, the competitive landscape has not changed. Um, and you'll see um, a host of competitors, particularly in the Asia markets of, with knockoff equipment. Um, but our, our approach always has remained the same um, to compete based on providing that valued relationship. And as far as market share estimates, it's very hard for us to to estimate very specifically because there is no publicly available information. Uh, But we know we have a a very, very dominant market share. Thank you. And in 2021, half two, it was very much driven by boom screeds in North America and other products regions are below previous levels. When can we expect these to catch up? And is there a risk that North American boom screed demands fall by more than the catch-up of the other products or regions? So, uh, you know, the way we view uh, product mix uh, and the the sort of fluctuations of that, we are, um, we see it as being representative of the type of work and projects that are in the marketplace. Um, as we've always said, it, there will be ebbs and flows uh, in take rates across the portfolio. Um, the, the way we, we, we look at that is, is we're agnostic as to the types of equipment that's purchased by customer. We want customers to purchase equipment that fits their business and helps them be successful. And we have consistent profit margins across each of those products. Um, and so therefore, we're, we're generally agnostic as to what products they pick. 
uh, and choose. And um, it's hard for us to predict, you know, those uh, fluctuations from time to time. But what we can say more globally is that we see great opportunity across our range of products in each of these markets. And we feel really confident where we sit today. Thank you very much. And given the substantial cash resources of the company, is there any interest in growth through acquisitions? Um, so with regard to acquisitions, we consistently look uh, and have always looked, but we consistently look actively to see if there's opportunities to acquire a business or a new technology that fits within our core market that is differentiated, commands a very high margin, and has a very dominant position, uh, or is very clearly a a form of differentiating or adding to our our offering. Um, We've been also very disciplined about that through the years. And uh, while we're actively looking, uh, and if we found the right candidate, we would absolutely uh, pursue it. Um, But we won't and have not pursued any opportunity that would be dilutive to what we're currently offering or would not be a differentiated uh, solution. So um, that being said, we continue to look uh, and in the absence of finding those opportunities, we'll continue to um, have a, a disciplined return of cash to shareholders. Great. Thank you very much. And on that subject, um, this writer says, congratulations on an incredible set of results. Would you consider extending the share buyback program beyond the stated 2 million, given the relatively low valuation and the issues that some UK shareholders have with the multi-currency dividend offer? As an example, one broker I use refuses to engage on receiving the dividends in pounds and then charges an FX fee to change to pounds. This impacts substantially on net dividend. So really there's kind of two parts to that question. The first is um, with regard to our our, our plans for, for the share buyback. It's it's not meant to be a return of capital mechanism. It's uh, we've put in place the, the buyback to manage the dilution that um, would arise from our equity award programs. And uh, you know, and that's based purely on shareholder preference. We've we've done uh, a very and have been very engaged with conversations with with our shareholders about preferred mechanisms of return of cash, and and we don't envision a change on in, in that approach. Um, that being said, the door is always open if conditions change, um, but but we don't envision that change in, in any in the near term. Um, and as far as the the currency challenges, um, th- that isn't something that we. Uh, are able to get into in any great detail. That's often dealt with at the broker level. Um, I, I believe we've offered a, a currency election uh, feature as part of the dividend, um, which we were would be hopeful that that would alleviate some of the some of the concerns and some of the challenges that shareholders have. Thank you. Um, It's been reported that your global business development manager secured a position on the board of the American Society of Concrete Contractors and subsequently the ASCC received one of the largest ever single donations of $250,000 from Somero. Can you advise what ethical oversight and justification is provided for charity and trade donations and whether it's cash or equipment by management? Yes, this is Jack. Um, The American Society of Concrete Contractors is a nonprofit educational association. We've been on various boards of directors and many other within the organization for over 20 years. Uh, 
Um, I'm still on some of the organizations and I have been on the board previously. Um, this donation of 250,000 is a continuation of the education program that we have supported for over 20 years. They, they took the old program and added to it starting this year and they put an endowment fund in there. There's a real shortage of skilled labor in the concrete contracting industry. And so we do a lot of work with providing scholarships to students to get them involved in, in the concrete industry. Also bring them to a number of our conferences that we have so they can learn about the industry. And in, in that process, we decided that we were going to fund our whole five-year commitment. We were going to commit 50000 a year for five years up front so that they could do a very nice start to their endowment fund. This is something we've supported forever, and we think it's an excellent part of ASCC program. It's important to know that we encourage our employees to be part of this organization. Um, they, they teach our employees and our customers a great deal about how to perform in the concrete industry, which is a very complex and complicated industry. All of the positions on the board are non-payable, and Samaro pays all the expenses for all the employees that want to be on there. There's a very, very large percentage of our customers are also members of American Society of Concrete Contractors. And this is all just part of our strategy to make our customers successful. Part of doing that is to understand what kind of challenges they have, what kind of problems they have on a day-to-day -day basis and get to know them so that we can, we can make them successful. Remember that we're only successful if our customers are successful. They're the ones we sell our equipment direct to, we service direct, so we have a direct relationship with them. And we think it is an excellent investment. Thank you very much. And can you say something more on the impact on Somero or Somero's customers of the increasing energy and commodity prices or the concerns about a possible recession that these prices might cause? Um, so with regard to, to sort of uh, input uh, cost increases um, to our, our materials in, in the assembly process, you know, un, similar to every other business and, and company, we've been able to uh, manage those cost increases through um, increased pricing to our customers. So it ends up being a pass through, you know, with regard to the impact of any, any higher energy, en energy costs or any of the sort of fallout from from some of the the conflict um you know again back to the point you know we're not seeing any change in the market conditions uh from our customers based on their workloads which again the projects in in the construction industry are multi-year projects so there's no current impact that, that we are seeing and we continue to be very confident with the workload that's in front of our customers and therefore the opportunity that's in front of us 
thank you. And leading on from that, what's the longer term outlook for the business looking ahead, say, three plus years, all other things being equal? The writer is trying to get a fix on the level of growth that investors might see at the revenue level over this period. And was the growth seen in 2021 a one-off event rather than the start of a period of higher growth? Uh, so 2021 was was clearly an, an extraordinary year um, to have uh, grown revenues over 50% in one year uh, is just a remarkable uh, achievement. You know, we, we see that as a, a sort of extraordinary level of growth that, that cannot be um, extrapolated going forward. We revert back to our longer term view of our business, which we um, uh, target and expect to see uh, mid single digit growth of our core business as well as uh, added on top of that growth from new products and new market segments that that we uh, enter into and that's the longer term growth trajectory that we we envision and and that's that's where we that's as we sit here today that's that's what we look for great thank you and are there opportunities in the residential construction area for mini floor screening products you know when you go uh, on deck as you, as you go up in in terms of different uh, projects there are opportunities for some of the the smaller screeds uh, on deck um, but but in terms of um, significant opportunity uh, in the uh, on deck when you get into stru- structural high-rise type of applications um, the sky screed is is the solution a larger screed is required um, so you know that that's sort of the the path to get traction into the vertical market is is the sky screed um, product line there's also been a lot of questions through the years about all the single family homes that get built that have concrete floors in them and uh, unfortunately there is no flatness specification in the residential market so they have no need to have a high quality very accurate machine to place the concrete accurately. They just do a very quick, what we call splash and dash routine and do do all that work by hand. Thank you. And leading on from that, could you give us some idea of the total addressable market opportunities across the US and Europe and probably Australia for both the slab and base markets or high rise segment? So so there's really two parts to uh, to that. Um, The you know, our, our strategy is to continually expand the addressable market by adding new products that, that target new uh, market segments and new applications. So that's sort of the long-term path is to continually expand the addressable market. Um, where we sit today in terms of what is the addressable market, um, we look at it more on a, a product line basis, and we look at it more in terms of market penetration. Um, our large boom screeds in, in the more in the mature markets like the US, uh, Europe, and to some degree Australia, which is not quite 100% there, um, we have very high penetration, meaning uh, the large, if there's a large building or a large project that's being undertaken, um, a large boom screed will be used on that type of work. But as you move across the product lineup, um, there continues to be opportunity for further market penetration in the smaller, the ride-on screeds, as well as some of the some of the adjacent products that we we continue to offer. So there is um, continued market penetration opportunity in our mature markets, 
but it's geared more towards the, the newer products um, that we bring <coughs> to market. And then once you get outside of the, 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 you know, the targeted markets of the US, Europe, and Australia, um, there remains a, a significant underpenetration of the global market. But in order to uh, really get uh, breakthrough performance in those territories, uh, the demand and acceptance of quality is is a uh, precondition, and that's that's the factor that we continually push for. And that's once we see that being present, then we then we will uh, more aggressively put resources behind those efforts. Great, thank you very much. And if the current market conditions are still positive, but equity market conditions are weak, is it not a great time to buy back even more shares? Uh, well, uh, again, the, the uh, you know the Committed return of capital policy we have in place is based on shareholder preference uh, of dividends versus share buybacks. Um, again, that being said, as as conditions change, um, you know we will continue to to look at our strategy and our our, our policy to make sure it, it lines up with um, investor preferences as well as market conditions. So it's something we'll continue to keep an eye on. But at this point in time, we're not envisioning any change. Thank you very much. And that's the end of questions. Jack, do you have any closing remarks? Yes, I'd like to thank everybody for taking the time to uh, sit in on this. And uh, those were excellent questions. We really appreciate your questions. And uh, we look forward to talking to you again in the future and hope you have a great day. PI World videos and podcasts are for general information and interest. They do not constitute any kind of recommendation or inducement to buy shares of any company. PI World is not offering any kind of financial advice and nothing in our material should be taken as such.